But let's preach the word, shall we? So turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11. And I'd like to uh, welcome you to our last message here in our series in Genesis. I think there's going to be a PowerPoint on that wall. And uh, if you want to find it and look at it, you can probably stand over here. If you're back there, you're not going to see this. So just imagine it in your mind. And so this morning, what we want to do is we want to bring the, the series to a conclusion. And the title of the message is Creation and Blessing. So what that means is that the book of Genesis is about creation and blessing. That's the theme of Genesis. I believe that this theme is foundational to all of Christianity. God created us. God blessed us. But we lost that blessing, didn't we? We forfeited that blessing. So what I want to do is I want to start with the first point uh, of God's blessing. So point one, God blesses us. And, and I kind of want to walk us through this creation and blessing point. And I want to do it by looking at the text. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to uh, look at Genesis 1. If you can see the screen, it's up there for you. Genesis 1.28, God blesses us. And this is what the Bible says. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then we skip to Genesis 9-1, and we read the same blessing to Noah after the flood. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But what happened after God's blessing? What happened was that man forfeited that blessing. What did Adam do? Adam said, I don't want to worship God. I want to be God. And therefore, he and Eve took that fruit. They ate of that tree and they lost the blessing. Instead of God's blessing of his house, his home, in the garden, that he's going to be with God forever and ever, God removes Adam and Eve from the garden and Adam and Eve forfeit the blessing of eternal life. What happened to Noah and his descendants after God blessed them? They chose to disobey God, and instead of spread out across the earth, they chose to camp out at a place called Babel, which is modern-day Babylon, and they decided to build a tower to the heavens, this ziggurat that we talked about last week, and they wanted to be God. They didn't want to worship God. And so God stopped that endeavor, and they received the curse of God. So creation, blessing, but we've got this curse issue that we have to deal with. And God promises to bring the blessing. God says, I am going to fulfill this blessing. And he gives a promise in Genesis 3.15. You can read it in your Bibles or on the screen. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. You shall bruise his heel. So this is a major theme in the book of Genesis. God says, I'm going to reverse the curse. I'm going to bring forth a righteous seed. And that righteous seed is going to bring the blessing that you forfeited through your disobedience. And we as Christians believe that that righteous seed is Jesus Christ. And then to Noah, God did the same thing. He says, I am going to bless you. Look at Genesis 8.21. Genesis 8.21. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. God knew that man was evil. Neither will I ever, never again strike down every living creature as I have done. So what is God saying? God's saying, I'm going to bless you, though your heart is evil. This is grace. 
This is what God promised through a righteous seed, which brings us to our text this morning. How does God bless us? Well, He blesses us through this seed that is righteous. And at the end of chapter 11, we're not going to read it this morning, you see this incredible genealogy, this incredible genealogy of the people through whom God is going to bring the blessing. And that genealogy brings us to one person, Abram. We know him as Abraham, but this is in the very first time that God calls Abram. And God called Abram because in Abram, God will bless the nations. Let's read it. Genesis 12.1. In your Bibles, Genesis 12.1 says the following. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So here's the blessing that was promised in Genesis 3. Here's the blessing that was promised in Genesis 8. Here's the blessing that man forfeited. God says, I'm going to bless the nations through Abram because I am going to bring from Abram this righteous seed. And that righteous seed, friends, is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Savior not only of Israel, but of the world. Jesus Christ is that promised seed that God said He would send to bless the nations. And so God promises Abraham four things here. Four things that are necessary for a nation to be created, for a people to be established in a land, for a baby to be born 2,000 plus years ago. That's why we sang all these Christmas songs. So that that baby would grow into a man and live a perfect life. So that we would be perfect in him. So that we're enough in him. So that shame is dispensed. The guilt is dispensed. Remember what happened in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned? They used to be naked and unashamed with one another. And as soon as they sinned against God, what came? Shame. i got to cover up. And we've been covering up ever since. Because you think you're not good enough. And you're not. But Jesus is, so when Jesus saves you, He gives you His goodness, so there's no more shame and guilt. That blessing's going to come from Abram, but a nation has to be established. We see that in verse 2. Read it with me, 2a. And I will make of you a great nation. Did you know that Abram's name means exalted father? So this is the first of four promises that God is going to give Abram. By the way, let me just say this to you. Abram probably came from a family that worshipped the moon god. Now, if you could put that map up there. If you have a Bible that has a map, you'll see it. Wow, you can actually read that map. <laughs> Although it's hard to read it through me, right? Yeah, because I'm standing right in front of you. Okay. So if you look over to the right here, Cassie, Vanessa, if you have eyes behind your head, you can see it perfectly. Oh, in the mirror. Oh, no, that's good. Yeah, baby, let's go to the mirror thing. All right, so on the right here, maybe in the mirror it'll be the left, you'll see Ur. That's modern-day Iraq, okay? Basra is right by there, if you remember the Iraqi war. This whole Mesopotamian valley all the way up to Haran. Haran is where ISIS has been having a lot of activity over the years. It's the border between modern-day Syria and Turkey. 
this cradle of the world, right? The two centers for the moon god, Sin, were Ur and Haran. Abram's family were probably just pagans who worshipped the moon god. And then God says to Abram, I call you. Not based on your righteousness, not based on your family name, not based on how much money you have or you know who you come from, because your family is a pagan family that worships a pagan God. I call you based on my righteousness, because my promise is I'm going to bless the nations, and it's going to be through your seed. That's good news to all of us. Amen. He doesn't call you based on who you are or what you can bring to the table. He calls you based on His sovereign grace. That's right. Remember that, Christian. So, he promises to make him a great nation. He promises to give him a great name. Look at verse 2b. And I will bless you and make your name great. Do you remember what the people of Babel wanted to do? They wanted to make their name great. And in wanting to make their name great apart from God, what did they get? Confusion. Abram is humbly responding to God's call. Because when God said, let's leave, and here you can see Haran... And Abram eventually leaves and goes down this brown line going down. He goes to the promised land. He obeyed God not knowing where he was going, but trusting in the one who called him. And so when Abram obeyed God, unlike the people at the Tower of Babel, who disobeyed God and built that tower instead of spreading out all over the world, God said, okay, I'm going to give you a great name. You know the name that he gave Abram? The name of Jesus. Well, how do you know that, Al? How do you know that Abram was believing in Jesus? How can you say that Abram believed in Jesus? Jesus wasn't even born yet. But what did Jesus say when they asked him the same thing in the New Testament? Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. And we have New Testament proof and data and facts that Jesus was the one in whom Abraham believed. Go to Romans 4. So if you can see here, you'll see Romans 4. If not, in your Bibles, Romans 4, 16 to 25. Romans 4, 16 to 25, is now commenting Paul on what happened in the Old Testament, and he's going to give us God's interpretation of what it was that Abram was believing. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise, what was the promise? I'll bring a blessing where there was a curse. I'll restore eternal life where you forfeited it because you were trying to do your own thing. I will give you a great name even though you were trying to make your own name and I cursed you. I'm going to reverse all that. That's the promise. His purpose will be done. We will go through the earth making image bearers of Christ who are making other image bearers of Christ. Those are called disciples. He promised that he's going to do that, right? All right, let's go back to the text. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. The his here is Abraham. All right, that's the his. We're his offspring, by the way. Not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, exalted father, father of us all. God fulfilled his promise to Abraham. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. God fulfilled that promise. What's amazing is he fulfilled that promise to Abram in the midst of the fact that Abraham was probably 75 when he got the promise. Now, I know we have some legendary men amongst us who have children at a very late age in their life. <laughs> but none of you are 75 to my knowledge. And your wife is certainly not up in her 70s either. As a matter of fact, no time to go through it. 
But if you read the text of that genealogy I was telling you about at the end of chapter 11 of Genesis, it says that Sarah was barren. That Hebrew word barren carries with it the idea of hopelessness. In fact, in the Old Testament, in the Mesopotamian Valley, at that time of of history, if a woman was barren, if a woman could not have a child, you know what she was considered? Cursed. Wow, what a word picture. From a woman who would have been seen as cursed, God is going to bring a blessing. He's not only going to bring a great nation, He's not going to give him, not only give him a land, which He did, Israel, but from that nation will come a Savior who will save the world. And, and Abraham believed God. Amen. Let's keep reading. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom He believed. He gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Verse 18 of Romans 4. In hope, he believed against hope. This is Abraham. Barren, Sarah, you're barren, hopeless. In hope, he believed against hope. Is there anything in your life where you feel hopeless? Where you feel barren? Where you feel unfruitful? Where you feel cursed? Oh, friend, as a child of Abraham, hope is yours because of Christ. We're going to see that in just a moment. This is Abraham, the father of faith. In hope he believed, verse 18, against hope, that he should become the father of many nations. We just read that promise. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. For he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old. Now this is commentating on about 25 years later, but it applied to this text as well. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Listen, he wasn't a pie-in-the-sky kind of guy. He understood reality. He saw the religious landscape. He saw the landscape of his own wife's barrenness. But that wasn't the final reality that would inform what he believed and did. It was God's promise. So it is for you, friend. Verse 20. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God in verse 21. Fully convinced that God is able to do what he promised. Are you fully convinced that God is able to do what he promised? This morning when I got to the school, Margarita just looked at me, the the custodian, wonderful little lady from Nicaragua, and she just looked at me and she said, Pastor, it seems like there's so much that comes against your church. And I just looked at her and smiled. I said, yes, it does, doesn't it, Margarita? But you know what? God's in charge, on the throne, and nothing, nothing can prevent His promises. So I'm looking at a bunch of glowing faces in this home, and I'm seeing the work of God in His timing, in His way, to make image bearers of of Him Christians through a bunch of fallen weak people who are not going to waver with respect to the promise. Because Jesus... God is faithful. I'm not faithful. God is faithful. But His promise enables me to be faithful. Just as His call enabled Abraham to obey. Even though he didn't know know where he was going. He was leaving all his family. And he left and went because of God's call. And that's what it says in Romans 4, 22-25. Bringing this text to conclusion. Bringing... Answering the question, Al, how can you say that Abraham believed in Jesus because of what it says in Romans 4, 22-25? That is why his faith was counted him as righteousness. But the words that was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. 
Abraham preached the gospel that day. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Here's the deal. Why has God blessed us so that we might bless others? Point two. Bless the nations. Now, I mentioned to you that God is moving in our midst in a powerful way. And because He's moving in our midst in a powerful way, I believe that He wants to bless us. I believe He wants to bring fruitfulness to us. But it's not for our sake alone. He wants to bless us and bring fruitfulness into our lives so that we might be a blessing to the nations. Look at the text again. Verse 3. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse but in you all the families or nations of the earth will be blessed the the promise to Abraham the promise to us creation and blessing is that we might go out and be a blessing and I think that is the takeaway for this morning's message friends the blessing comes through Jesus Christ our Lord Abraham's offspring Jesus was born a Jew Jesus was born the Messiah of Israel Jesus is born the Savior of the world and he has come to bless us and he has blessed us so that we might be a blessing as Abraham's children how do we pass on the blessing We pass on the blessing by sharing Christ, by declaring and demonstrating His life and death and resurrection and ascension. Listen, that's going to happen. That's going to happen as we speak it to others, as we speak it to our family and friends, as we live it in our workplaces. That's our mission field. When He says, go out into all the earth, He's sent you into all the earth. You work in places I don't work. You can be a witness. You live in a retirement community with people who are basically getting ready for the next phase of their life, if you know what I mean. And you get to share it in a way. You teach in a school. You're working in a high visibility industry on the West Coast. You're a physician. You're a dentist. You're working with people whose lives have been broken. You roll up on a brokenness, an accident. You're, You're working in a university. You're working in an industry that keeps us safe as airplanes are flying through the air. You're working to research and and, and help cure horrible diseases. You're working to protect us. God has you in that world so that you might be a blessing. That's that's the takeaway. And that takeaway comes from a psalm. And that's where we're going to end this morning. We're going to pray this psalm together. We're actually going to read it together. So I want you to turn there, Psalm 67. And we're going to pray this psalm as a church. And when we're done praying this psalm, psalm, we're going to sing that psalm. He who is mighty has done a great thing. He has done a great thing. He's given you children. Listen, He's put you where you're at. You are fruitful because God has blessed you that these children would see people who are living for Christ and say, I want to be like mom and dad. We know it's the Spirit that does that. He's giving you fruitfulness to have a life, to be able to work hard, even though it's difficult, and to be fruitful in an area where so many people are so secular, they're so given to whatever is other than God. But he said, these are examples of godly people who suffer and live real lives, but they love Jesus. And it's powerful. The grace to live that in the midst of your suffering is the testimony. For our Lord suffered. Our Lord suffered. So let's pray Psalm 67. Please turn there. I'm going to be reading from the ESV. I believe it will be on the screen. Is it on the screen, uh, Tiff? Okay. I want to read this together, church. 
Can we? And what I'm going to do is we're going to read two verses and then I'm going to pause and I'm going to ask certain individuals to pray. So I'm going to read two verses and I'm just going to say, would you pray? And if, if I ask you, would you just pray with a loud voice? Hey, the spirit of the Lord's amongst us, is he not? The Bible says, come to church with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, ready to worship the Lord. So if I ask you to pray, would you pray with a loud voice? Okay, everybody's praying right now. <laughs> Here we go. Let's read it together. Ready? Psalm 67, verse 1. Nice and slow, but read out loud with your voice. Here we go. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Kevin, would you stand and pray for us right now along those lines of that ver- those two verses? Lord, thank you that you have and continue to be gracious to us. Father, your church, your body, you care for your body. You've laid down your life for us. Thank you for your graciousness. Yes. Father, help us reflect that. Mm. Help us reflect your life, your death, your resurrected glory. Yes. Lord, when people come in contact with us, when they're conversing with us, Lord, when they're considering our lives, help them see you. Father, we cannot do that. We, in our own power, will simply mess it up. Right. But Lord, you dwell in us. You have been gracious to us. You've ministered to us. You've lifted us out of the pit. And Father, you've placed our feet upon a rock. Yes. You. So Lord, help us glorify you. Yes. To be mercy, grace, peace, a healing balm. To a world that desperately, desperately needs it. Yes, Lord. Help us reflect you. Yes. Amen. Verses 3 and 4 and 5. Ready? 1, 2, 3. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Cassie, let's stop there. (laughs) Cassie, would you stand and pray for us along the lines of those verses? Lord, we do praise you this morning. Father, thank you that you have gathered us here. You've given us an opportunity to meet together, to come before you and worship your name. And Lord, we do pray as these verses have said, Lord, that we would praise you all over the earth, Lord, that your churches that are gathering this morning, that we would be singing out your praises, Lord. You are so worthy. God, you have given us such grace and the ability to know you, Lord, through Jesus Christ. And so we praise you, Lord. We lift our voices and our hearts and just proclaim your goodness and your glory. Lord, we know that if we do not praise you, the rocks would cry out. But Father, thank you that you have given us the joy of knowing you and the just the blessing of being able to praise your name, Lord. So we pray that Christians all over the world, Lord, that are that are 
bowing their knees before you this morning and praising your name would be just a pleasing aroma yes. before your throne, Lord. Yes. Amen. Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Final two verses, verse 6. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Corey, would you pray for us? Lord, we praise you that you are no tribal God, that you are a God of all nations, of all peoples, all ethnicities, rich and poor alike. For your glory cannot be contained or even fully expressed in one people alone. For you're the God of all people, Lord, and your disposition is to bless your people. Those who call upon your name, who surrender, repent, and give their lives to you. Those whom you have called. And Lord, your blessing goes way beyond what we can even think or imagine. Way beyond some of the creatures that preach only of financial prosperity. Your blessing is about eternal inheritance. Lord, it goes way beyond this life to eternity in ways that we can even think nor fathom. So Lord, we thank you that your heart is to bless your people and you will bless them according to your covenant promises. So Lord, we say yes and amen to that. We're not asking, we're not twisting your arm this morning. You would somehow look upon us as favor. You have and will because of Christ. You have promised it. And what you've promised, you will do. Amen. So Lord, may the ends of the earth fear you and call upon you. Yes. Lord, you've made us with eternity in our hearts to seek you, Lord, to desire you. Yes. To know the creator God and our redeemer. So that may every nation call upon your name. Please. And may we not be satisfied until that day. Right. Right. May we long for it. May we anticipate it. And may we, in whatever way you've given us, participate in it as well. Yes. That the whole world may know of your fame right. and of your glory. Right. We pray. Amen. Let us stand and let us sing. He who is mighty has done a